want you to take a moment right now and think back with me to the best Christmas gift you ever received. And I'm going to want some response, so take a moment and think about that, and then we would like to just respond. The best Christmas gift you ever received. Oh, I remember Nintendos, yeah. Anybody else? Oh, nice. That's an early Christmas gift. (laughs) Anybody else? A ventriloquist dummy. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I would have loved to have seen that gift. (laughs) Do you still have it? Wow. It's scary, huh? (laughs) All right. Anybody else? One more person. A what? A remote control car that drives on the wall. Now, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. My husband says that my best gift was in December of 1975 when he married me. (laughs) I do have to agree with him. That was a good gift. Christmas is my favorite time of year. I loved Christmas as a child. I loved that my mom and dad would send us to bed early Christmas Eve. Well, not that I loved going to bed early. But we would go to bed Christmas Eve, and we would wake up in the morning, and the tree was up. The lights were on the tree, the balls, the tinsel, and there was a platform around the tree, and there was trains running. And it was just beautiful. And the glitter and the glow of that, it just made me feel special. And sometimes that was the only time of the year that I would have felt special. But it's my favorite. It was my favorite time. As a teenager, the innocence of Christmas was lost. I needed to help my mom buy gifts and decorate and set up the tree. And it was like having a really cool gift that needed batteries, but we didn't have the batteries. And so I knew there was more to Christmas, but I wasn't able to get a hold of it. I love going to Christmas Eve Mass. I love the pageantry of Christmas Eve Mass. It was everything that I wanted to experience when I would hear about this Jesus, this child that was given, this God that was going to save his people from sin. I remember when I got saved at 18, just a couple months before Christmas, I called my best friend to tell her that I had found Jesus. And she said, oh, Debbie, that doesn't surprise me. She said, don't you remember you were always dragging me to Mass and to coffee houses looking for Jesus? And I didn't remember that, but God did. And he allowed me to find him because he was always there. I wanted this one called Jesus. I didn't understand him, but now I had him in my heart, and I was looking forward to this first Christmas and all the promises that he had for me. I still want all the promises that he has for me. This Jesus the best gift of God. How about you? Do you want all the promises that he has for us? He gave us a gift that he wants us to open that we can continue to open and open and open because I don't think we'll ever come to the end of who he is and the promises and the things that he has for us. Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of year. It's a time to celebrate and to reflect on the best gift, the gift of God given to us hand-picked by God. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us.
It's a time we hear a familiar prophecy. It was given by the prophet Isaiah. It was spoken at a time when God's people were living in captivity. It was a tumultuous time. The Assyrians were capturing the people, and they were brutal. And God spoke this word through the prophet, a word of hope. And the people hung on to that hope. They hung on to that word, a word that said that there was a deliverer coming, a Messiah, a Savior, an anointed leader. Let's read this prophecy that held so much hope of God's people. It's in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This prophetic word was written nearly 800 years ago, before the birth of Jesus. And the God of angel armies did make it happen. Jesus was born to a virgin, and her name was called Mary. If you want to follow with me in your Bible, your Bible app, or in the handout, we're going to read the Christmas story. The birth of Jesus foretold, Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will, be ver- he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the thrones of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now in her sixth month, for the word of God never fails. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's skip over to chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. At the time of the Roman Empire, Augustus decreed that a census would be taken throughout the... At the time of the Roman, the Empire Augustus decreed that a census would be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All were to return to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. Father, I pray, may the truth of your word that can be so familiar to us in this Christmas season come alive and afresh in a new way. Jesus, let it be so. God's heart's revealed to us through this gift. 
We heard it earlier recited, John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. We know for all who have accepted this free gift, Jesus Christ, into their hearts, he's called Savior. But if we look back at Isaiah 9, 6, in the second portion of verse 6, we see more. We see that he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Just think, 800 years before he was born, his birth was spoken of. It was prophesied that he would come. That God loved us so much, and he loved his people back then so much that were living in captivity. He gave them a thread of hope. There will be a Savior that comes one day. My son will be given to you, and he will be called. I think about that. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are four important titles. They wouldn't be important if God hadn't spoken them. But 800 years ago, he wanted the people then and he wanted us now, today, to know this son that was being given to us by those titles. We're going to look at them a little bit. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful, marvel, a miracle, a marvelous thing, a wonder, extraordinary, hard-to-understand thing, a wonder of God's acts of judgment and redemption. Counselor, to advise, consult, give counsel, purpose, devise, or plan. Now, who doesn't need somebody to help us with those things in our lives? I'm glad Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. He can advise and he can direct. We see this also in the role of the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 26. As a counselor myself, I'm trained to break down situations that people are sharing. Sometimes it's easy to break it down and help people understand, and sometimes it's really complicated. As a Christian... I wouldn't even begin to want to be able to help speak into somebody's life without the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor. It's not an option for me to go into a counseling session without the Holy Spirit leading and being the one that's doing the counseling. Prior, during, and after, he is needed in every step of the way. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the one that will direct and bring understanding. In the day when this prophecy was written, people needed hope. They needed the counsel of God since they had gone their own way and they were living in captivity. How often do we find ourselves not even becoming aware of it, that we've started to go in our own direction. We've leaned in our own understanding. And the next thing you know, we're stuck in something that we didn't plan on being stuck in. 
when we depend on his counsel and for him to direct us, even when we get stuck, he'll show us the way out. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's an advisor in the marvelous things of God. He counsels in the extraordinary and the hard to understand things of God. I love the way we're wired, but we're really complicated beings. God made us that way. And we need someone that knows how we were created to be able to direct and to speak into our lives. He draws us to himself, bringing attention to his marvelous works. The next thing he's called is mighty God, El Gabor. Powerful warrior, champion, chief, valiant man, strong man, brave, mighty man. In Jeremiah 32, 18 and 19, we hear him called mighty God and great in counsel. Jesus is called the mighty God, the strength of God who always prevails. The strength of God that always prevails. Regardless of the situation, regardless of what it looks like, the strength of God will always prevail. Our mighty God, he's a conqueror. He's conquered sin and death for us, for you, for me. He's conquered it, past, present, and future. There is no stronghold stronger than El Gabor, the mighty God. His name in this prophecy points to a time when all of God's enemies will be brought down, physical and spiritual. They will be vanished, and all creation will bow at the feet of Jesus. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. How about you? There are places that I know that Jesus has completed already in the heavenly realm, but I'm not experiencing it to the fullness here. And I want it here. He paid the price for it here. But there are some things we won't experience until the day that he returns. He is the mighty God, the strength of God. He's the everlasting father. He is for the duration of eternity, forever. He is continuing future and ancient past. He is the forever of the future time. He is of continuous existence, and his role as father brings safety and security to his children. Jesus is called the everlasting father, the father of eternity. The word everlasting father describes his fatherhood. He is a father forever. Regardless of what we may have experienced here on this earth with fathers, good relationships, bad relationships, God will remain our father regardless. He will remain our father forever. This word, everlasting father, describes his fatherhood. It also gives us a place to feel secure, to be safe. He's a forever father to his children. He takes us from a position of an orphan and sets us into a family. He's a father that will not abandon us. He's not left his children, even though sometimes it may feel like he has. He's not left his position with us. 
And I want to encourage you, if you're in a place right now where you're feeling like the Father is not with you and you don't know where you fit in, call out to him as everlasting Father. He will answer you. He is there for you. And you fit in here in this body. So you are placed in a family, the family of God. The promise was fulfilled. A child was born and a son was given. We see this played out both for the Jew and the Gentile. Both having the same father, this one called Mighty God. He made the way for the Gentiles to be grafted into the family of God. I love this name. It's my safe place to run and sit quiet with Jesus. In the arms of my everlasting father, he is called everlasting father, eternal father to his children. It's the place that is the most familiar to me. And I believe as a father, he would want that to be the most familiar place for all his children in the safety of his arms to experience him. Jesus is called the everlasting father. And the last name we see him called is Prince of Peace. We see Prince, a ruler, a leader, a chief, an official, a captain. His rule is one of peace. Peace, shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. He's the prince of shalom, the prince of completeness, soundness, safety. He brings peace between God and man through a covenant relationship. When we ask Jesus into our heart, we enter into that covenant relationship. Because of Jesus, he brings peace between us and our Heavenly Father. When Jesus brings shalom into one's life, it brings a sense of completeness in one's relationship with him that causes our soul to rest. There's a resting from having to do or to be anything other than who we are, his child. I look at Pabli when he's here and he's running around. He loves his grandma and grandpa. There's nothing he needs to do to gain their love. And there's nothing he needs to do other than put his arms up to be picked up and be in the safety of their arms. Look, I even fitted your grandson in there. (laughs) And that's what our father has for us. Through this Prince of Peace, he provided the way. For hundreds of years, God's people have been waiting. They've been waiting for God to fulfill his promise, to send the Savior. And at Christmas time, it's one of the best reminders that he keeps his promises. He sent us Jesus as the ultimate gift, the best gift to show that God wants to be with us. He likes to hang out with us. He wants to enjoy our presence, and he wants us to enjoy his presence. What better time than Christmas? Isn't it fun when everybody's home, and whether the kids are old or young, and you're all together? I mean, it's lots of noise and lots of food and lots of activity. But there's a sense of warmth and there's a sense of appreciation for the family. You know, but sometimes that isn't always so. We may want to think it is, but sometimes it's not always so. Sometimes it can be distressful in families at Christmas time. And in the very place where God wanted us to enjoy family and enjoy that relationship with him, we can actually pull away because the only thing we know is the places that have been unsafe in the past. 
God wants you to know this morning that if that's a place that you've experienced, he wants to step into that place and fill it. And he wants to remove the pain and fill it with his peace that goes down into the depths of your soul. I mentioned earlier, I still want the promise, the promise of the son given, the one who was called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. I want his best gift, not in part, but in all. I want the batteries too. How about you? You want the best gift? The batteries have been paid for. They're right there. They just have to go in. I would encourage you to begin even now and over the next few days to reclaim the best gift of Christmas. Ask yourself and then ask God this question. Am I fully celebrating the birth of the son, the son that was given, enjoying his life within me, fully embracing his name, who was called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace? As the worship team comes up, and I'd invite the prayer team to come also. For some of you, you may need the wonderful counselor to advise, to help you understand this marvelous work that may not feel so marvelous right now. But be assured, he will work it out for your good. For others, it could be the strength of God. You need the mighty God moving on your behalf conquering in some areas that want to overtake you in the season. He's the God of breakthrough, mighty God. His strength will not fail. He will break through for you in this season. Or perhaps like me, it's the comfort of the everlasting father, resting in his arms when life doesn't quite feel safe. For me, when things get out of order, it doesn't feel safe. It just triggers something in me from my childhood. Maybe that's what you're experiencing this Christmas season. Let him come and minister to you. And who doesn't need the Prince of Peace in this hour to bring a greater sense of completeness and rest to our souls when the world around us is in such unrest? No matter where we go, whatever we read right now, we read of places and people that are being cruel. There's disasters going on, and it can cause us to fear. But the Prince of Peace wants to bring rest to his people. Again, I invite you um, to come up to the prayer team when they would come. And it could be something else, but don't be shy. Let him minister to you this morning. It's the best gift that he's given us, this Jesus. I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. I don't even want to think about it. My prayer this morning is that you would experience his wonderful counsel in new ways, that his mighty strength would come and overtake you, that the comfort of the forever father would be so real that it would overflow that the role of his peace in every part of your soul, in your being, body, soul, and spirit, would just come into alignment with his purposes and plans for you today.
and into the new year. That you would overflow with the best gift that God has given. And that you would share him freely the same way that he has shared himself with us. I pray that the God of heaven's armies would make it so for you this morning. Thank you.